Welcome back to the Whitney Whiskey Cast, everybody. It's our post-Christmas episode, pre-New Year's. Uh, I believe this is dropping New Year's Eve, uh, so that it'll be officially our last episode of 2021. Woohoo! I'm uh, here joined with my co-host, Mark Rossetti. Hello. And I am, all, as always, DJ Gagnon, bringing that bunny energy to our podcast, because somebody's gotta... You know, I'm just saying, if you are listening to this when it drops on Chris, uh, Christmas Eve, fucking A, on New Year's Eve, uh, if you're going out tonight, be sure, you know, take care of your bartenders. And I'm not just talking about tipping them. Don't hang around until last call. Like, watch the ball drop, have another drink, and fucking leave. They want to go home, too. It's true. They're not having the same amount of fun that you are. Mm-mm. But, uh, hey, it was Christmas. How was your Christmas, was- buddy? It was Christmas. Um, there were cookies that were quite good uh, that I ate too many of, and there's still an unholy amount of upstairs. Uh, I actually think this may have been the first Christmas in well over a decade at least that I did not receive any bottles. What? Yeah. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's not a complaint, mind you. I don't want to sound ungrateful. I I received a lot of presents that were wonderful. But it was a little strange. Uh, And it's been quite some time that someone has not slipped a bottle with a bow under the Christmas tree. So, I don't know. Make of that what you will, folks. Uh, But, you know, I got to see the nieces, the nephews, uh, my in-laws, my parents, such as it was. Uh... Ate way too much. Didn't drink all that much, because we didn't have all that much. And, yeah, just basically hung out. I'm off for a week now, which I'm not going to know what the fuck to do with myself. (laughs) Because I have not had more than three days off since lockdown. So, that's what, 18 months, 19 months? Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I I did really bad at taking vacation this year, so I'm going to try to get better about it next year. That's a thing? You could be good or bad about that? Yeah, we can only carry over so much vacation, so I got to, like, September and had to take five weeks. Oh, yeah, see, that's like me with sick time. We can only carry over, like, up to 30 days of sick time, and I think I've been at 30 days for, like, 10 years. Damn. (laughs) So I just lose my sick time every year. Buddy, have you ever heard of a mental health day? You have to have mental health in order to have a mental health day, and that ship sailed a long no, no, no. time ago, brother. You have to have poor mental health in order to need a mental health day. You're oh, well, then, Christ, the month it. isn't enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what about you? How was your uh, Saturnalia? Uh, it was pretty great. Um, we were f- uh, five places in two days, and then I visited uh, with my brother the day after Christmas. So it was like uh, six places in three days. It was like... It was a lot. I, I'm looking forward to the, the next couple of years, possibly having some kids and getting people to come to us instead, just because it's a lot of driving. Um, I, I don't know how the weather was out your way on Christmas Day, but it was uh, freezing rain just the whole night before. So at my driveway was a skating rink, and it was you know 15 miles under on the highway trying to get places. So. Um, there was a huge 50-car pile up on 95, so... Nice. Yeah, yeah, we definitely had to be careful. Uh, but no, uh, we got everywhere without incident, no problems. Thank God for pickup trucks. 
Um, but yeah, no, it was great. I, uh, I received, I didn't receive any whiskey bottles, but I do have roughly a five year supply of coffee liqueur now. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan and her mom gave me a couple of bottles of their amazing stock. And, uh, then a, um, my, I think my aunt, we did a secret Santa this year and I, I got a, a bottle of Kahlua and a nice Kahlua glass. So I'll be making some white Russians in the near future. Um, but I did get a whiskey themed drink. Uh, I, okay. I Holly, being the amazing person that she has, got me a book by Ian Buxton called "101 Craft and World Whiskeys to Try Before You Die." And, and how many of the one hundred have you already tried? Uh one. What? One. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember from last season, I tried a bourbon by the New Rift Distillery. That's in here. Okay. Uh, completely unbeknownst to me, I had just bought the day before Christmas, or maybe a few days before Christmas, because I wasn't shopping on Christmas Eve, but um, the week before Christmas, I went to the liquor store to pick up some gifts, and I bought myself the whiskey I'm drinking tonight, uh, which happens to be in the book I got on Christmas. So uh, after today's episode, I will be up to two. So you're rocking 2%. Uh, just shy of 2%, so it's 101. No, oh, um, 101, okay. Yep, uh, but they do, uh, one of the bottles in here is uh, from the Cleveland Underground, and it's the, the bourbon finished with black cherry wood. Uh, I have done the sugar maple offering from them, so I feel like it's two and a half, but... Uh, I'll have to try their black cherry and, and note it off. The book's really cool. There's uh, it, It's like on the left side, as you open a page, the left page has the picture of the whiskey, the name, and, and a section for taking some notes. And the right side has like a little, like a, a few paragraphs about the distillery and about the whiskey. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a really cute little book. Uh, it fits nicely in my little bag that I take wherever I go. So, um, it's been fun to pull out and read when things got slow over the holiday. I mean, you had a slow part of the holiday? Uh, yeah, there were definitely some moments of like, uh, you know, uh, visiting with my niece where, you know, she was, she was crying and being handed around and I, I leafed through and, and showed my brother some, some of the whiskeys in the book. And, um, but it was good. It was my niece's first, uh, Christmas. So, I mean, she's like, four months old there's no way she's remembering any of this but uh it, it was fun um my, my dad definitely got some grandpa time and and touted her around for like three straight hours on christmas eve uh with he all my relatives just hated that yeah it's yeah, he just it was obnoxious uh just how much he hated it um so when we got there on sunday i i got the the distinct privilege of saying nope you had her all Christmas Eve. She's mine now, and I get to hold her for like an hour. It was awesome. Bitch, it's my turn now. <laughs> right? Uh, what you uh, what you drinking, buddy? Well, we're gonna. I'm gonna cheat a little bit here, but there's a good reason why. So I'm going to uh, revisit a prior review I have done on the show. Uh, don't hold the gun to my head. I don't remember what episode it was. Uh, but it's one that you and I have you know, come to loggerheads about, shall we say? <laughs> uh, 
Yes. I'm revisiting Wild Turkey 101 Rye. Now, before you all just groan and roll your eyes on the other end of your uh, AirPods here, there's a good reason for this. I'm not just being a broken record and just beating a dead horse here. Uh, as you may remember, God, three or four episodes ago, I mentioned that DJ, being the overly generous uh, cocaine-fueled bunny that he is, sent me a whiskey barrel, my own personal little whiskey barrel gimmick here. And I was in the process of stretching it out and seasoning it and doing everything. Well, I went to the liquor store to find something to put in it when I uh, had finished the process. And it was almost like a sign from above. Wild Turkey 101 Rye was there. It was on sale and, you know, the sales in the PA liquor monopoly make no sense. There's no rhyme or reason. There's nothing. So I was like, well, shit, that's a sign. So I bought two-fifths of it. Didn't even fill it halfway up, but whatever. It's in there. And every now and then, periodically, I take a glass from it. And I noticed last week I was home. I was doing, I don't know, some fucking thing. And I had a glass of it, and I went, wow, this has really changed in flavor. It's been in the barrel maybe, what would you say, DJ, two months now, maybe a little bit less? Yeah, not long. And uh, yeah, probably actually probably only about six, six, seven weeks probably, actually, if we're being realistic with the aging process. And uh, so if you look at it, it's darker. Now, it's not night and day, totally, you know, color change, but it is noticeable. It is definitely darker in the glass. The nose, it doesn't really change any bit, but when you taste it now, you do get good woody tones, and you do get some smoke. So the liquor is seeping into the barrel. It is absorbing some of the wood, and I would have to go back and try a quote-unquote stock bottle, but it does seem like the burn lasts a little longer. It's not any more intense, but it does seem to linger just a little bit more, although that could be rose-colored glasses. Mm. But it definitely is woodier, and it definitely is smokier, and it's definitely darker, and I kind of dig it because <laughs> it's sort of a rye bourbon hybrid. And, you know, they give you all this paperwork with the kit when you get it, and they feed you all these lines about how, like, oh, you'll be able to make your own distinct blend and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And I just kind of rolled my eyes because a lot of it's marketing speak and jargon. No, this is definitely kind of giving it a little bit of an edge. And it's kind of cool. That's awesome. I'm so glad it's working out. And, hey, you know, this is just freaky the way this all fell together. But Annie and I went to our favorite pizza shop slash craft beer hipster haven last night and I wasn't really paying too much attention and I was looking behind the bar because they have a full bar there and I went something seems fucking familiar they have not one not two but three of the barrels you got me set up behind them <laughs> no they way. use them for yeah they use them for pre-made cocktails <laughs> that's amazing so that's kind of cool <laughs> that is really sweet oh man what about you brother what are you drinking uh, well, I'm drinking uh, what is ostensibly whiskey number 84 in this little book that I'm holding. Uh, it is uh, Balcones Distillery Baby Blue uh, Corn Whiskey. 
and uh, ostensibly it is made from uh, Hopi blue corn. Uh, it, they they don't have anything on there that says a hundred percent corn. Uh, that in the they don't have their mash bill uh, on the bottle, but I, I I think it's probably pretty close. Uh, and it's it's kind of a deep amber color. It definitely tastes of corn. Um, there, there's definitely uh, kind of something that I would be expecting from, uh, you know, like a grain whiskey, a, you know, a rye or a barley um, that, that just isn't in, in this. But there's there's some notes of vanilla. There's some... It, it almost... It doesn't really taste like popcorn, but like if someone were to say, "Oh, it tastes like smoky popcorn," I, I could kind of see what they were saying. Um, but it's pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm kind of curious uh, how it would compare with the Nomad corn whiskey you tried. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get me a bottle of that and do a little back to back because I still have about a third of a fifth of Nomad up there. I am a corn whiskey guy. It's not something I buy on the regular, but it's always something that when I drink it, I go. I need to buy more of this. Mm. Is this... How recently was your last experience with corn whiskey? Uh, I mean, I don't know that I've ever really done a corn whiskey on the podcast that wasn't like a blend that had corn in it. You know, maybe some of the American whiskeys I've done. Um, so I, I'd have to say it's probably been a while. I've been really focused on like cascaged bourbons and, and uh, rye lately. Well, see, then you are are working it imperfectly because I always say that corn whiskey, like hardcore corn whiskey, is a great joker in the deck. Just when you want to mix it up, when you basically when you want to make your palate go, whoa, it's a great way to just throw a wild card in there. Yeah, it definitely makes me makes my palate go. It, it definitely has kind of like a toasty, a toasty nutty, almost like a hazelnut smell to it. Which is really interesting. I mean, there's no nuts in this, um, but we, we talked a little bit about how whiskey notes are a little bonkers. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. I, I would definitely recommend this. Uh, it, it's definitely got that deep amber. It's got a good burn on it, uh, but the burn kind of snaps up quick at the end. Uh, it doesn't really linger. It kind of uh, it reminds me a little bit of wasabi. How like wasabi burns, 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 and then it's gone. Yeah, it's just, it's sort of like a straight jab if you're in boxing parlance. Like, it hurts really bad for like a second. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Balcony's uh, Baby Blue, which, I, I mean, such a great name. It's got a really pretty blue label on it, it's got corn silhouettes all over it. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, there's some, an interesting history of the Balcones distillery and how they almost like went under because the guy who created the company, uh, kind of pissed off his investors and, uh, the, they just kind of ousted him and, and moved forward with the master distiller. So, Oh, kind of like, you know, Steve jobs before he came back. Yeah, exactly. So what do you got for uh whiskey news this week, man? All right, there's no way to sugarcoat this. I got some straight bullshit for Whiskey News. <laughs> I can't wait. So apparently, now, first of all, th th this entire uh, event, uh, this entire outing, this entire crime against humanity, whatever you want to call what I'm about to describe, <laughs> yeah. 
was sponsored by the Bardstown Bourbon Company, which off the top of my head, I don't think I've ever had any of their products. Are you familiar with them? No. I am not either. Uh, I'm not saying I've never drank any of theirs. Just if you had a gun to my head right now, I couldn't name any of their stuff or whether or not I've tried it. But uh, whoever these people are, they have decided that they have the authority to name the world's top whiskey taster. And so they held this contest just last week. I'm a little behind on whiskey news because life has just been fucking insane. Yeah. Um, and apparently uh, a man just outside of Denver, Colorado, Michael Altcott, O-U-T-C-A-L-T, He's apparently the greatest whiskey taster in the world for the year 2021. Uh-huh. Now, the first round... There's only two rounds of this competition, apparently, from what I've been reading. And I had to stop reading because the longer I read it, the angrier I got. Uh, the first round, anyone could have applied. And it was apparently just a simple bourbon slash whiskey slash scotch slash rye quiz. It was an online survey, essentially. And from a couple thousand entries, they picked five finalists who they flew out to wherever the fuck this Bardstown Bourbon Company is. And then they had sort of more of a gauntlet. They had more questions, more trivia. They had to taste different whiskeys and identify different ingredients. And then they had to blend their own, apparently. And it was given to a panel of three judges. And this guy was the winner. Uh, he won $20,000 in cash, a complete full scholarship to Moonshine University, whatever the fuck that is. What the hell? And next year, uh, this Bardstown Bourbon Company is going to make his own bourbon blend. The runner-up was apparently a man from Louisville named Jake Llewellyn, who, as far as I can tell, got jack and shit out of the deal for coming in second. Uh, I didn't even know this was a thing. I would have taken a fucking shot at it. Seriously. Uh, so I'm a little pissed. I'm going to keep my eyes open next year for 2022, and I'm going to take this fucking mic out, caught out. So you're fucking... I got your name, buddy. <laughs> yeah, how are we going to just burn down his house? I He lives outside of Denver somewhere. There can't be that many fucking people with that name uh, outside of Denver. Metaphorically, uh, we are not threatening <laughs> your house. No, we're not threatening your house. Only but your I'm title. Keep, only your title, and I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for this bourbon blend of yours to see if it's any good. Uh, <laughs> but that's what I have for whiskey news. Fuck him. <laughs> what, what do you have for tools of the trade? Uh, so tools of the trade this week, I thought it would be an interesting pairing with the corn whiskey I'm drinking because uh, I, I've got some friends who are gluten intolerant. Um, uh, one in particular who has celiacs and I, uh, I, I was talking with this friend about potentially like trying to find a whiskey that was gluten free so that they could try it and, and see if it was something that they enjoyed. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder what it takes for a whiskey distiller to create like a gluten free offering. And I, I, I so I wanted to do some research. So uh, in essence, um, I, they, I found this really great article on healthline.com. I'm just going to pick some, some stuff out of here. Uh, so the, um, the Celiac Disease Foundation 
uh, has concluded that whiskey, regardless of the grains used to make it, is gluten-free as a result of the distillation process. Uh, however, some people may still react to trace amounts of grains within whiskey. So, woof. It seems like we were almost safe there, and then, boom, why bother, right? They like, gave us hope. They did the worst thing possible. Yeah, they gave us hope and then dashed us to pieces on the ground. So, uh, they, they, this article kind of goes on uh, to talk about how while whiskey in its purest form may be um, gluten-free because of its distillation, uh, there's a lot of other factors, right? It, it does depend on the individual's sensitivity to uh, to gluten. Uh, so trace amounts of gluten may end up in the whiskey just because the distillation process might be different from distiller to distiller, and you can't guarantee that it's going to completely get rid of the gluten. Uh, also, uh, cross-contamination during processing, uh, gluten ingredients that, that gluten-containing ingredients that might be added after distillation. You know, if you're uh, if you're looking at a whiskey that is flavored or um, might be colored in some way. Uh, so, uh, I I figured rather than trying to kind of guess at this, uh, I I would kind of end tools of the trade today, nice and short with uh, giving some advice on things that you want to look out for. So um, whiskeys and bourbons are made from a variety of grains, uh, but there are gluten-free options. So if you uh, are gluten intolerant or if you have celiac and you're looking for whiskey brands to support uh, and you really want to try this out, look for 100% corn, 100% millet, 100% sorghum. Uh, and some brands you can look up for, there's uh, Hudson Baby Bourbon, which is made from 100% corn. Uh, there's James F.C. Hyde Sorgo Whiskey, made from 100% sorghum. Uh, there's Koval uh, Bourbon Whiskey, made from 100% corn and millet mix. Uh, there's the Koval Millet Whiskey, so it looks like the Koval Distillery does some good offerings here. Uh, the New Southern Revival Sorghum Whiskey, uh, the Queen Jenny Sorghum Whiskey, and the SS Sorghum Whiskey. So there's some options there for you. Um, also, you might be able to find some local distilleries near you that are using gluten-free grains. Um, so maybe that's a good question we can ask Nomad uh, if they uh, qualify their 100% corn whiskey as gluten-free. I did research the baby blue that I'm drinking tonight, and I couldn't really find it definitively either way if this whiskey is considered gluten-free. So I, I guess unless you're going with one of those brands or you've checked it out uh, with the Celiac Foundation, uh, you know, drink at your own risk if, if you've got an intolerance. But uh, there, there are options out there if you would like to try our favorite brown liquor. I am pulling up the Nomad website as we speak because I... Hot. Ashley had told me that it is gluten free. Mm. Don't quote me on this, but I had thought she had said that. There is a uh, the a section of the United States government called the Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, 
uh, and it is the sole regulatory agency with jurisdiction over the labeling of distilled alcohol. So it's a pretty big deal. Uh, they are the ones who uh, are uh, who allow certain companies to kind of label their whiskeys as gluten free. So you can find it. Um, companies can't just willy nilly say their shit's gluten free, uh, which is really good. You know that, that, that that's good, uh, so that we don't end up hurting people. Um, so if you don't see gluten free on it, do some research, see what you can find. Um, if you do see gluten free, you're probably you're probably fine. Well, uh, I can't really give you an answer either way because the only thing that comes up when I click on it now that was not here the last time is a very big warning that uh, ninety one. Clear corn whiskey should not be used to make homemade hand sanitizer. Oh, my God. And so uh, I must wonder why such a thing was, you know, apparently this had occurred at some point. Someone in Pennsylvania decided uh, that they needed to do this. So that is actually the only thing. There's actually no description of the whiskey at all. Just please note, 91 should not be used as an ingredient to make your own hand sanitizer. According to the World Health Organization, WHO, anything less than 80% alcohol is not going to kill germs that cause the spread of viruses, including COVID-19. 80% alcohol equals 160 proof. 91 clear corn whiskey is only 91 proof. (laughs) So I would say hold the phone on that one, folks, until I can get a little bit more information. And honestly, people, if you're trying to make fucking hand sanitizer out of it, what the fuck? (laughs) God damn. You heard it here first, folks. Maybe don't just clean your hands in every clear liquor you can get your hands on. Oh, God. If you're going to do shit like that, and I'm not recommending this, disclaimer, I'm not saying to do this, but if you're going to do something along those lines, go to your fucking AutoZone or your Advanced or your Pep Boys or your O'Reilly or whatever your major parts chain of choices and buy a couple of cans of brake clean. God damn. Maybe don't. I'm not recommending it. I'm saying if you're that hard up for some <laughs> type of disinfectant. Oh man. Well, that gets us into our topic. I'm just going to move us right along. Here. I can't believe I have to get mad about this shit. So uh, Mark has lots of opinions, and uh, so do I. So we're going to talk about reboots and whiskey. And we're going to start off with uh, your rather generous, shall I say, (laughs) definition of the word reboot. All right. So when we originally talked about doing this episode, we talked about reboots and remakes and things like that. So I kind of went the route of things that got translated from other media. So like book to film or, um, you know, comic to film or TV show to film or video game to film, things like that. Most of what we're talking to is like a TV show or a film here because there's been some fucking doozies. Um, I've looked up the, di- the definition from the Oxford English Language Dictionary. Of course you, like you did. Now, there's a few of them. Most of them have to do with computing. But 
when you get to the bottom, uh, f- uh, reference film, something, especially a series of films or television programs that has been restarted or revived. Now, where does it say anything in there about jumping genres? Yeah, it's cute that you think I'm not going to talk about this shit just because you, you've uh, pulled up no, the no, Oxford no, 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 Dictionary. No, no. I know you're going to talk about it. I just want to get it on record and on recording that you're wrong. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay being wrong today. I'm still going to talk about it. Okay, this you heard it here folks. first, folks. <laughs> yeah. He admitted it. I was so excited I couldn't even get that sentence out. It's okay, Mark. Choking Martin. on joy. Uh, All right, you start us off. I, I will. I will give you the floor since you have you have admitted that I am correct. I will give you the floor. You well, start us I off. said I was wrong. I didn't admit you're correct. There is a very big difference between those two things. Uh, so I wanted to talk about some of the things that have been. I I'm going to use this term, uh, the way I tend to think about it, rebooted in a different format. Um, and there's a lot of different examples of this, things that have uh, come out of a novel into a movie or a video game into a movie, and I want to talk about some of the good examples and some of the not-so-good examples. Um, So in terms of good examples of this kind of reboot, uh, I would throw uh, three movies in the last... 20 years that I think are really, really good examples of a translation from a different form of media into film. Uh, the first one is uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, uh, directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, an amazing movie. Uh, changes a fair amount of the source material, but still is a, an extremely good movie. Mark, what'd you think? Oh, no, I love the movie. Uh, I love the little bit of the graphic novels that I read. I want to say I only read the first two. There's like five or six, right? Uh, There are Uh, six, yes. Yeah, I I believe I only read the first two. Hey, you know, uh, the video game's on sale on the Switch right now. Is it any good? I might buy it. Oh, the video game's amazing. Yeah, and the the music for the video game is by Anna Managuchi, and it's amazing. It's very, it's like chiptune electronica. Very good. Yeah, I might have to pick that up then. No, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a definite win. Yeah, so that to me is an example of when a reboot can be done well. Uh, These last two, I, I feel like Mark is probably on board with at least one of these. Uh, so I'll get that one out of the way, and it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Not only am I all about it, the wife who, when we went to see the movie, I don't believe had played a Sonic the Hedgehog game, mm. like a, ma- a mainline title. She was all about it and wanted to learn more. It's, it's so good. And it reimagines, I, I think this is kind of why I included it on this list, it reimagines Sonic the Hedgehog as a buddy cop movie instead of, you know, what it is uh, as a video game. And the effort they put into it and the amount of, like, feedback they listened to from the fan community really made something special, Um, which I think is the same that can be said of Detective Pikachu. Did you see this one, Mark? I did not see this one, um, and actually not for the reason you might think. Uh, I have no opinion either way on the source material or the Pokemon universe at large. 
I was just a little bit burned out with Ryan Reynolds, to be brutally honest with you. That's certainly a choice you made. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm saying we had Ryan Reynolds overload at that point. That's fair. And now now he's doing shitty uh, mobile phone commercials, so we might be back at that point. That's fair. Um, so I, I loved Detective Pikachu. I have also, I think I'm the only person I know that has actually played the source material. Uh, Detective Pikachu, That there is an actual Nintendo DS game. Uh, I think it was on the 3DS called uh, Detective Pikachu, and it is basically the plot of the movie. Uh, the movie streamlined it a little bit. It, the game was quite longer, as you can imagine. Um but it was really good. Uh, it was an absolute amazing movie. We got to see live action Pokemon, which had never happened before. So, uh, very good. I, I I would say Scott Pilgrim, Detective Pikachu, Sonic, all really good examples of translation into other media. Uh, and the last the last one I'll end off here is uh, the movie Aragon. Did you ever see the movie or read the book? I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I have never heard that word until you just said it. Uh-huh. So Aragon is a uh, the first book of a four-book uh, series called The Inheritance Cycle um, by the author Christopher Paolini. So anybody who was... It, it, it kind of was coming out around the same time as like Artemis Fowl and Harry Potter. Like th- There was a lot of these little fantasy series that were all kind of competing with Harry Potter and didn't do as good of a job, but... Uh, you know, if you're a fantasy fan, you've probably read Aragon. It got translated to film and was it just was not good as a movie. It was very poorly done. The dragons had feathers for some reason. It was just not it, it's universally touted as one of the worst book to movie things that has ever happened. So that's an example of a man. All right. I, I see some stuff on your list, Mark. What do you got? Well, I used the correct definition of reboot, so <laughs> I went with stuff that was uh, either a movie or a TV show and then was brought back much more recently and then changed. Now, I actually did a little bit of uh, boots-on-the-ground research, expert research, shall you say, for this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, you might remember our guest from last season, Allison Earl. Uh-huh. who joined us for our alternate RPGs and whiskey episode. Her father is actually a cinematographer with several film credits under his belt. And so I asked his opinion and her opinion, because Allie is, you don't want to stereotype, but she is your typical, what do they call them, Zoomers? What's after millennials? Zoomers. Every remake is the greatest thing that was ever created, if you ask Allie. So I wanted to get her opinion on this. And she says that in order for a remake to be good, it must change enough of the source material to stand on its own. Hmm. I mean, she's wrong, but that's her opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And her father, likewise, uh, he had a, a similar opinion, but his actually made sense. His was, you should be able to see the remake without having seen the original and understand it. Which that I'll agree with. Okay. That I'll agree with. But I have a few that just irritate me for different reasons. And the first one is, as a car guy, 
Gone in 60 seconds. Now, did you know that the shitty-ass Nicolas Cage movie was a remake? Um, I haven't seen the shitty-ass Nicolas Cage movie. Good. <laughs> Don't. I also didn't know that it was a remake, so... We're going to do a hot takes and whiskey episode on actors and actresses. And Nicolas Cage and Keanu Reeves are going to be two of my overrated, so just be ready for it. Uh, I don't we could do an entire episode just on Keanu Reeves and Nicolas Cage. I, I don't get the love for either one of them. I really don't. Like, they're not bad actors, but they're not the fucking gods amongst men that the internet seems to think they are. <laughs> anyway, um, no, the original Gone in 60 Seconds was made in 1974. And I'm going to drop a little bit of numbers on you here, DJ. Okay. A grand total of 127 fully functioning real-life cars were written off during the filming of the movie. It had a budget of $150,000. Do you know what it brought in? No. Just under $41 million. Jesus. Everybody knows from the shitty-ass Nicolas Cage remake, Eleanor. Oh, Eleanor's a Shelby Mustang. Eleanor's a Shelby Mustang. No, Eleanor is a bright yellow 73 hideous Ford Mustang. (laughs) And the reason why it was called Eleanor was because the plot of the original movie, the main character had to steal 48 specific vehicles, and he gave them all code names, and the Mustang was Eleanor. It was a very small plot point. I don't even remember the bullshit reason they gave in the Nicolas Cage movie. It's like, oh, this is Eleanor. No, it's not. (laughs) And the thing is, you see these people, especially on social media, which is a cesspool, and just don't use it. But you see these people, and they're like, oh, that's the real Eleanor. No, it fucking isn't. Eleanor was yellow. You hacks. And I could put it on here, but I didn't because it does stand up on its own as a decent movie. But The Italian Job was a remake as well. Yeah, but doesn't that mean that Gone in 60 Seconds changed the source materials enough to be unique? Well, yeah, because it's a completely different fucking movie. I'll give it that. (laughs) Um, So it should be a great remake, right? According to Allison... I mean, she liked the Cowboy Bebop live action, which I know you're going to talk about. She thought it was fucking great. So, of course, she never watched the anime and has no interest in it. But, you know, we won't get into that. Uh, The next one on the list, Red Dawn. Did you ever see the original Red Dawn? No, I haven't seen the remake either. Uh, Good, don't. (laughs) Uh, the The original Red Dawn was a fun concept, although admittedly, if you watch it today, it's very dated because it came out during the height of the Cold War, and it was basically that the Russians invade America overnight and win, and that a group of teenagers have to go off into the woods and become the Wolverines and conduct guerrilla warfare. And at the time, it was very dark, it was very scary, it was moody, you know, you see uh, Russian commissars mowing down civilians, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you watch it today, it just looks like a bad TV movie, but if you watch it with the frame of mind of the early 80s, it's terrifying. The remake, which came out about maybe five years ago, uh, doesn't. It originally was going to be the Chinese, and they realized, well, wait a minute, we're not going to make any money if we can't sell it in China. So then they made it to North Koreans, 
And it's like, well, you've lost the entire gimmick because the entire gimmick is the believability. In the late 70s, early 80s, the Russians could mount an invasion of America. And you could argue as to whether or not it would be successful, but it has the believability aspect. The North Koreans don't have toilet paper. They're not coming anywhere near America. If you had gone with China, sure, I'll buy that. But no, they didn't do that. And otherwise, it was pretty much a shot-for-shot remake, but they went over the top with the action. They went over the top with the gore. They went over the top with the drama. I'm pretty sure they shoehorned a love story into it. It's just, it's fucking awful. (laughs) And then the last one, because I think we'll save the Disney ones for a separate category, because I know you have opinions as well. I do. Uh, The last one I'll go into is, it's one movie in particular, because I saw more screenshots of it, but it's a genre as a whole. Why do we keep remaking Batman? Why? Let Batman die. Leave him alone. (laughs) Um, You know, I went on a rant however many episodes ago about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the idiot fanboys that never read a comic book and think that it's canon and it's not. The god-awful DC movies are not canon. It's the same thing. Just just stop. How many times do we need to watch Bruce Wayne's parents die? How many origin stories do we need? Everybody knows. You could grab a fucking guy off the street and he could tell you the origin story of Batman. Let it go. (laughs) And this fucking new movie, setting aside the whole Robert Pattinson thing, I don't think he'll be a good Batman, but I don't hate him the way a lot of other people do. But just, what did they do to the Riddler? Why is he wearing a gas mask? That's Scarecrow. That's the Joker. Why is he fat? That's the Penguin. The Riddler should not look like me. I, I don't understand. What, like, has no one in Warner Brothers read a comic book? You own the rights to them. You own DC Comics. Pick up something that you own. Call an intern. Tell him to go to a newsstand and get you a comic book and read it. And then make a movie. Yeah, honestly, the last... uh, I think there are three good Batman movies. It's the first two Christopher Nolan ones. And then I'm going to get plastered for this against the wall. But I really liked Batman Forever. Batman Forever is not as bad as everyone says it is. I would hesitate to call it good. I don't think it's great. I do not think it is a great film. I think it is good. I would argue there are only two good... Well, there technically are three good Batman films, but I disqualify one because of the fan base. I would say that the original in 89, that's pretty good. That holds up. Mm -hmm. And then the first... Uh, Nolan film, Batman Begins, is pretty good. Yeah. The Dark Knight is a great movie, but just the fan base are fucking assholes, so they kill it. It's true. Uh, And then we don't talk about the third one. I've never seen it. I didn't bother to see it. I've also never bothered to see the last Tobey Maguire movie for Spider-Man. Don't. I went into that high hopes because I'm a Thomas Hayden Church fan, and it's... I I don't know why they made him Sandman. I, I... he must have needed a paycheck. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's my first round. You go ahead. Uh, well, I did want to talk about Dune. I don't feel like I can really talk about it, though, because I really only know the source material. Um, have you seen any of the Dune series or like the new Dune movie? 
Uh, I haven't. Uh, they... I want to say I started the first book and never really got through it. My only real experience with Dune are with people who like Dune, and they really, really like Dune. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, hey. Yeah, I do really like Dune as a book. Uh, I haven't read the rest of the series, although I own them and will someday. Uh, but I know it gets kind of bonkers. Um I feel like that's true of most sci-fi series, to be honest. Um, you know, I think there's some modern ones like The Expanse that do a pretty good job of not going off the, the frickin' rails. But um, you look at, like, classic sci-fi series, they go weird pretty quick after the first book. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, even, like, quasi-horror sci-fi. I mean, I'm sorry, and, you know, bring all your flame tweets on, you know, the Witten Whiskey cast, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram. But the Dark Tower goes down after the Gunslinger. There, I said it. Yeah. Uh, hot take, I know, but... It, mm. it gets weird. It gets really weird really fast. Like, it's not even so much how weird it gets, it's how quickly it gets there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but... So I, I want to just kind of pin Dune, and I feel like there'll be an opportunity to talk about Dune in a, a later episode, but I have heard really good things about the new Dune movie, so I have high hopes. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard good things, but I've also heard that it's another one of these bullshit things where they film two movies and only release the one. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. Mark his opinions, folks. Long movies are okay. Like... I, this is what I don't understand. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to let you finish in a minute. I'm going to sound like Condi now. I'm going to let you finish. No. <laughs> uh, every movie overall now is getting longer. Like, I can remember being a kid, 90 minutes, 100 minutes was about the standard runtime. Now, for the most part, you're over two hours at least. But they won't release properly long movies. And it really is to the detriment of film. And the best example I can give is if you have... Both Kill Bills. Take a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, watch both of them back to back. It's a totally different experience. But the studio wouldn't release it. Apparently the studio wouldn't release this true Dune, so they broke it into two parts. I don't get it. Yeah, fair. Um, I mean, my bladder can't take much more than a two and a half hour movie, so... I can remember going to the theaters... The old man and I were pretty much the only ones there, but the old man took me to see Gods and Generals. It was just under five hours. It had an intermission. It was a Civil War movie. See, we, we went to the theater and we watched it. If they did intermissions in movies, I would be all for your argument, but I can't remember ever going to a movie with an intermission. Okay, there you go. 100% of Witten Whiskey cast hosts agree. Bring back intermissions. Yeah. Yeah, I would like a chance to drink a water bottle without fearing that my bladder is going to explode during the whole movie. But anywho, um, which kind of rolls us back to uh, some of the true reboots, like the new Matrix. Mark, you have opinions. I just, I don't understand, okay? The first Matrix was a phenomenal movie. I can literally remember the first time I saw it 
my buddy Kyle, who I grew up with, he grew up down the street from me, he comes over with a VHS tape that he rented, which shows you how old we are, and he says, you have to watch this movie. It was just like a Tuesday. It was like the most random day. I had a 13-inch television with a built-in VCR in my room. We sat and we watched a movie. My mind was fucking blown. Mm-hmm. The first Matrix still holds up today. It does. The story, the acting, the cinematography. I just shit all over Keanu Reeves a few minutes ago. He's great in that movie. Mm-hmm. Then the second one was... Eh... I remember day one going to the movie theater. The old man took me because I don't think I could drive yet. The old man took me to, to see the second Matrix day one. And as soon as the lights came on when it was over, he looked at me and went, I thought you said these movies were good. <laughs> and then the third one, what the fuck? What? Why? And then he dies at the end of the third one. Spoilers. It's been 20 years. <laughs> and he's alive again, apparently. But he dies at the end of the third one. And then... Okay, and now this is going to get hypocritical, but follow me on this one. I both love and hate the Wachowskis for their one belief. Which is? They believe, and normally this is a very good thing, they believe that every form of media is canon. Oh, yeah. So have you been following the whole Morpheus thing? No. So Lawrence Fishburne was Morpheus. Yeah. In the first three movies. He arguably is the best part of the first three movies. He was not asked to revive his role in the new one. And at first everybody said, oh, they asked me to turn it down. He said, no, they never even called me. Well, you had to go digging. You had to find interviews with the Wachowskis. In the MMO on the PC that lasted about a year, Morpheus dies mm-hmm. and is brought back as a program. So the new guy is that guy from the MMO. Yeah. If you didn't know that, good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's fair. But also, I, I mean, that's that belief is to the detriment in this case. But it's also a positive because it means that the Animatrix is all canon. Right, no, normally I, I like this. And for the most part, I like the Wachowskis. V for Vendetta is fantastic. I'll give them one and a half out of the three Matrixes. And Speed Racer is one of the most underrated movies of all time. Fight me. I love uh, V for Vendetta. It's easily in my top three favorite movies. Yeah, so I will give them the benefit of the doubt normally. But if you're going to keep kayfabe, you kind of have to explain that you're keeping kayfabe. <laughs> yeah, fair. Especially today when, you know, everybody just assumes everything. That's uh, fair. But I, I don't know. I have not seen the new Matrix. I am legitimately on the fence as to whether or not to go see it. I'm going to see it just because I fucking love the Matrix. It's going to be bonkers, Mark. How can it not be bonkers? And and that's a big part of it. You know, I am a child of the 80s and 90s. You know, it's going to be nuts. I remember the way the the first couple made me feel. I don't know if this makes any sense. I don't want to see it, but at the same time, I don't not want to see it. Yeah. I'm kind of this... I'm kind of firmly in the... 
I have to know. Because I have to know, Mark. I have to know what the fuck happened at the end of Matrix 3. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, that That's fair. I, I do think, you know, they're, they're kind of... There's something in the air. You, you know, you have the Matrix reboot, which... Well, I don't even know if it's a reboot or a continuation, whatever we want to call it. When was the... I mean, I'm just going to Google... When was even the last one? What was the last one? Revolutions? Uh, it was... Yeah, it was, was Revolutions. It? Yeah. It was 2003, so 18 goddamn years mm-hmm. in between sequels. And then we also have the new Ghostbusters movie, which is even longer because... It's a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2, which was 1989, I believe. Mm-hmm. And whereas The Matrix has embraced absolutely everything. Yes, Ghostbusters 2 is 1989. I'm looking it up as I'm talking to you. The Matrix has embraced everything. The Animatrix is canon. Enter the Matrix. The video game is canon. The Path of Neo, the shitty RPG, that's canon. All the movies, blah, blah, blah. Ghostbuster 2 is like, yeah, remember that reboot we did like three years ago with Melissa McCartney? That never fucking happened. Yeah. I mean, so that's pretty interesting. To be fair, based on your own argument, The Matrix should not be in this episode because it is not a reboot. It shouldn't. It's a continuation. You're, You're fair, and I will give you that. And again, I'm not against The Matrix per se. But just what the fuck? What, mm-hmm. Why? Why? I, we've got two big <laughs> topics on here that we have yet to hit. So I want to talk about Go the ahead, two move smaller on. ones. I want to talk about uh, Last Year Bender, and I want to talk about Bebop. Okay. So, uh, one I have opinions on. One I've never seen hide nor hair of. All right. So let's talk about Airbender. There you go. <laughs> I assume that's the one you've not heard hide nor hair of. I hear it's very good, the anime. I've not watched it. Uh, the anime is amazing um, for many, 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 many reasons. It's, it's extremely intelligently done. The animation is fantastic. The choreography in it is legitimate wushu martial arts. Like, there's a million reasons that I could stand here and uh, we can do an entire fucking episode on The Last Airbender and I could talk the whole time. Um, there was a live action movie. Uh, done by uh, M. Night Shyamalan, and it was fucking terrible. Can we just do a quick poll? Has M. Night Shyamalan ever made a good movie other than the f- uh, uh, the one with Bruce Willis, the ghost one? Fuck, what's the name of it? I, the Sixth Sense. I can't, he, I can't think of a single movie by him I like. I like The Sixth Sense. I mean, it hasn't aged well. It's pretty predictable now, but I I liked it. But has he made a decent movie other than that? I'm looking up his films now just so that I can be like, uh, no, because that's probably the answer, right? Um, I mean, I remember Signs, which just got me angry at the end. uh, I like the idea of The Village, but I didn't like the movie. I'll agree with that. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, he, so... Wait, hang on. He did Stuart Little? Wait, hold the fuck up. Did he? According to IMDB, I, I'm clicking on this. Uh, 
Uh, he was the writer for Stuart Little. All right. Well, I like Stuart Little, so I guess I'll give him two movies because I enjoyed Stuart Little. Okay, fair. Uh, I I can't I can't say I'm a fan, but to be fair, I don't really like that kind of movie. So, eh. uh, but no, the Airbender movie is terrible. They whitewashed the cast. They didn't get any of the name pronunciations right, which is really fucking hard because it's Avatar: The Last Airbender is an American show. It is it is animated in a fucking it, it is animated in an anime f- format, but like it's not like it was translated like the way they pronounce the names of the way they pronounce the names. The movie was fucking American. Like there's like no they fucking excuse. The fucking shit from Big O. Roger Smith, Roger Smythe, Roger. It, it's it's like watching Looney Tunes and calling him Boogs Booney. Like it's oh, just, no. why would you, why would you fuck it up that bad? Like it, they, they made something that was heartfelt and funny, just gritty. It was part of the whole like gritty movie scene, uh, of gritty reboots, gritty, gritty, gritty. And it was stupid. So there is a Netflix series coming. I have really high hopes, which I feel like I shouldn't have, but they've actually been casting, uh, the the show really well. So I just hope this is not yet another thing that Netflix picks up and then cancels after a season because it didn't get good ratings. Speaking of which, Netflix Bebop. I have not watched it yet. And I have it on my list. I'm not against watching it. I guess I'm not against it per se, but again, it goes back to the Matrix. Why? This did not need to happen. From what I've heard from people who have watched it that aren't Ally, it's not very good. It's a lot slower than the anime, which is weird because the anime was not generally fast-paced. I mean, individual episodes were. But as a show, it was not really, you know, really fast-paced. It wasn't slow-paced, but it wasn't fast-paced. I don't know. I just, I don't know why that needs to exist when the anime exists. Just, if you want to watch Cowboy Bebop, watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I, um, this is something that I I feel like I'm going to get my nerd card taken away, but I've only seen, like, one or two episodes of the original anime. All right. Well, I mean, hey, you know, it is what it is. I I, it, I I like it. I like what I've seen, but I have ADD'd out of it so many times at this point. I've seen that first episode like 12 times, but I just, I don't know why I never continue Cowboy Bebop. But like from what I remember seeing of the anime, the show was pretty great. Like it had the humor. It had the, the you know, the space cowboy stuff. I thought it was done pretty well. Uh, I haven't seen the whole Netflix series, but I plan on it. Um, but to be fair, I also plan on finishing Bebop someday. So uh, <laughs> I, I have the DVDs. When I come up, I'll bring them up with me. Yeah, it, it's I mean, I'm pretty sure Holly has the DVDs. So like, well, it's, then what the fuck? <laughs> there's no excuse. Like we have Crunchyroll and Funimation. I could watch it dubbed or subbed if I wanted to. It's just I ADD out of it. It. I have no excuse. People often argue that Cowboy Bebop is the greatest dub ever done. Um, I would argue it's Big O, which is ironic because a lot of the voice actors and actresses cross over. Ooh, I would argue um, it's Fruits Basket. 
I've not ever watched that dubbed, so I have no opinion on that. I've uh, never either Fruits it Basket or Oron. Both of them have really great dubs. Oron is a great dub, but I would put Cowboy Bebop and Big O ahead of it. It is a great dub, though. I, I don't argue that. That's fair. So um, that that brings us, we're kind of like bordering the topic here. It does bring us to live action anime movies. Now, out of all of these, I think I've only seen Dragon Ball. That was the one like 10 years ago, right? Mm, I Dragon Ball Evolution, I think it was more recent than that, right? Well, what was the shitty ass Dragon Ball movie? Hang I on, think it, it. Oh, no, you're right. It was 10 years ago. 2009. Yes. Okay. Jesus. I saw this at the drive-in, and I was not happy. <laughs> but go ahead, continue. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've seen some of these. I have noped out pretty hard on most of them. Um, the Kenshin movie was amazing. Uh, the Bleach movie was weirdly amazing. They did all of season one of Bleach in one movie, and they paced it pretty damn well and cut out a lot of the fillers. So. Um, I, I hear that they're supposed to be making like uh, bleach Two when they go to soul society and I'm excited, uh, dragon ball, terrible full metal alchemist, terrible. Uh, I didn't even know they made a full metal alchemist. They did. Action. It's not good. Um, <laughs> they've made two live action death notes. The original Japanese one was okay. The Netflix one was terrible. I liked the original Japanese one because correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't that cut out most of the near and mellow bullshit? I think so, yeah. Didn't that pretty much end when L died? Which, spoiler alert, L dies. (laughs) Spoilers, damn it. I said spoiler alert, L dies. No, I'm kidding. At this point, if you're an anime fan and you don't already know this, what are you doing? Because at the risk of sounding like every 16-year-old high school goth girl, I really enjoyed Death Note. Until L died, like after L died. Once L died, the show went to shit. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, it, it feels like that should have been the end of the manga too, but it just kept going. Um, there's just kind of this trope of anime being rebooted in live action. And it just, it, I feel like it's been since Dragon Ball Evolution. Like it's been the last 10 years or so where things just keep getting these these reboots. And... You know, the formula should work because they've done uh, they they frequently do live action shows of popular anime and manga. And this is something that if you're in the anime fandom, you may not actually know about, but they're, they're called like K-dramas and J-dramas. Um, or, did you know that Oran High School Host Club has a live action I did not know that. It's amazing. It's hilarious. It's so good that they end up being able to do like all of the weird visual gags from the, the anime They they have it. And Tamaki is overly dramatic and hilarious. And anytime honey jumps on someone's back, he shrinks and it's, it's amazing. It's very well done. Uh, So, uh, you know, there are some reboots and remakes that, are very worth it. Um, one of uh, Holly's favorite manga series is uh, Hanakimi uh, for you in full blossom. And it's got like three versions of various live actions. All of them are amazing. Um, the Prince of Tennis manga and anime got a live action 
uh, recently that was fantastic and very queer coded and wonderful. So like this format should work, but for whatever reason, anytime a big studio gets their hands on an anime property, they fuck it up. Well, I mean, if we're being fair, we have some blame to take for that. And by we, I mean our generation. Oh yeah. Because a lot of this is the reverse of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and the theory behind it. Movie studios or the marketing people behind them or anybody, Netflix, you know, Amazon Prime, whoever, any big budget media corporation knows that those of us of a certain age have media properties that we love from when we were younger, whether it be teenagers, whether it be children. But now that we're a little bit older, we have a little bit of disposable income. So if you slap a name on something, we're going to go see it. We might be skeptical. We might openly hate it. But we're going to spend money to go see it. And so we do take some of the blame for that. Sure. But if you do a good job, we tell other people and then it makes money. If you do a bad job with it, we tell other people and it flops. But the thing is, have any of these really truly flopped? I mean, they've all made their money back, haven't they? I don't know. I mean, even Dragon Ball Evolution, I think, broke even, didn't it? And that was fucking terrible. Maybe. I mean, it's not like anybody's watching them nowadays. I I do tell everybody in my life to go watch the Bleach live action, because it's amazing. Sure. (laughs) Go watch the Bleach live action. It's very good. I've never read any of the manga. I've never seen any of the anime. I've never seen the live action. I couldn't tell you a single character from Bleach. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. You're terrible. Uh, So I see here that POS is part of this last topic. Yeah, okay. So, here we go. Buckle up. Uh, Speaking of thing, people that know we were children and uh, we're going to pay money to see franchises, uh, Disney has basically been like, hey, we have all these classic animated movies that are considered not just good, but like, in some cases, the actual pinnacle of animated film. Mm -hmm. So we're going to rape their corpse. (laughs) And make piece-of-shit live-action movies that are fucking terrible that nobody asked for. And uh, they did Beauty and the Beast. They did Aladdin, which they tried to shoehorn Will Smith in as the genie, which Will Smith can act as well as I can do porn. Uh, so <laughs> You must no. be good at porn. Oh, he's a fuck... Dude, he's a terrible actor. I love him unabashedly as an actor. Name one good movie he was in. Hitch, uh, Independence Day, uh, Wild Wild West. I'll give you Independence movies. Day, but that was good in spite of him. <laughs> but I'll give you that. That was a good movie. But then he Men made a in sequel. Black, we Men in Black 2, Men in Black 3. No, 2 and 3 sucked. No, Men in Black great. 1 was good. 2 and 3 sucked. Uh, but regardless, fuck Will Smith. Um, <laughs> no, he is the quote that two hot takes today. No, he is that quote that two plus two does not always equal four. I'm a historian. I know that's not right. I'm glad his wife cheated on him. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they, they did beauty and the beast. They did the lion King. They did Aladdin. They all suck. I think they've all bombed. Have any of them been at, you know, anything but hated universally? Well, I did add one. Yes. Now, see, this is interesting because uh, if you take me out of the equation, my wife, who loves everything, 
hated the one you have listed as good. Really? Yes. But go on, defend this is, it. This is the only one that I, I well, I'm looking up what it made. Um, I mean, this thing made fucking money. Oh, I'm sure it did. It was in theaters forever. Um, Beauty and the Beast. The live action Beauty and the Beast is the only one that I've liked. Um, you know, Mark, I'm. This might actually be surprising with how much of a Disney fanboy I'm at, but I actually 100% agree with you, except for this one movie. All right, that's fair. Um, I, uh, I I like this movie. I like the animated one better, but I like this movie. Um, I think they did interesting things with it in different directions, uh, and I also just really like Emma Watson. So, I mean, yeah, she's hot. I, I mean, Emma Watson, I, I mean, sure, uh, but... I, I thought as a vehicle for M.R. Watson getting out of Harry Potter, I thought it was a very good movie. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it captured the, you know, the, the old movie and did some interesting things. That being said, I'm going to put that in a box and leave it off to the side. I fucking hate that Disney is doing what it's doing with all of its live actions. And I have refused to see any of the rest of them. I am not, I, I didn't see Lion King. I, I definitely didn't fucking see Dumbo because Dumbo is my favorite classic Disney movie. And Wait, they, hang on. They made a Dumbo? They made a live action Dumbo. I and did it, not know this. Uh-huh. And Dumbo is my favorite classic Disney movie. It's a fucking acid trip. I love that movie. I loved it when I was a little kid. Made me cry every single time I watched it. I love Dumbo to what a degree I cannot explain. As we speak. Yeah, there's what a live the action Dumbo. Uh, and I mean, they did Beauty and the Beast. They did Dumbo. They've done um, Cinderella. Uh, they did Lion King. They did the Jungle Book. I think Holly liked the Jungle Book, and I would have been willing to see it, but I just I don't really understand like what the problem is that society has with anima- animation. Animation is amazing. Like, it is an amazing format. Anime and TV shows and movies, they're all really great. And you can do things with animation that you can't do with live action and vice versa. And I really feel like the whole thing that Disney's doing with this, like, converting everything to live action really just spits in the face of their tradition of animation. Like, whatever you think of Disney, they have some of the best animated films ever made. And they, yep. a lot of them go down in like top hundred film, uh, lists like, dude, do what you do. Well, like we, nobody's asking for these live action movies. Um, I really wanted to go see Mulan. They made a live action Mulan, but they fucking cut Mushu out of it. Why the fuck would you cut one of the funniest characters in all of Disney's like pantheon out of the movie? No, I do remember that. Like I, I'm furiously Googling as you're talking because I do not remember Dumbo. I do not remember Cinderella. I don't, don't remember the jungle jungle book, but I remember Mulan and correct me if I'm wrong because I could be, but is the live action not a musical? Like what the fuck? It is not. Yeah. Like what? (laughs) What did yeah, there yeah. is uh, Cinderella, uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Lady and the Tramp came out in 2019. I don't remember any of these. No. Well, I remember 
uh, Beauty and the Beast, but go on. The Honestly, the only ones I've actually enjoyed have been the two Alice in Wonderland movies, and that's only because I'm just a whore for anything Alice in Wonderland. And Tim Burton, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, I do enjoy, uh, I, I want to see like Christopher Robin, but I've always kind of felt that the live-action Winnie the Pooh stuff that they ever tried seemed to be pretty good. Um, now, that one I actually heard was good. Yeah. Because the plot hook with that one, which I won't spoil, is at least interesting. Yeah. It's not just a straight reboot. No, it's not. It, and it's very interesting. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know about the Jungle Book. I, I'm not seeing Lion King. Pete's Dragon did not need a reboot. The original movie's amazing. They reboot. I don't remember any of these. They rebooted Pete's Dragon? They rebooted Pete's Dragon. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, in the interest of balance, I will say there was a live-action Beauty and the Beast that I really enjoyed. Oh? The Broadway musical. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. I was lucky enough to see it on Broadway, God only knows how many fucking years ago. I think I was in high school. That actually was really good. That's amazing. Um... But, like, there are some pretty fun live-action Disney movies, but it's not, like, when they did Alice in Wonderland, they weren't doing Alice in Wonderland to ostensibly reboot their animated movie. No. Like, it's one of the earlier ones. Uh, Like, Cinderella was in 2015, and that kind of kicked off these, like, oh, shit, sweet flips, like, oh, we're doing all of these reboots now. Um I don't know about Maleficent. I haven't seen either of the Maleficent movies. Sure. I, I think they're supposed to be rebooting The Little Mermaid. As Why? Why? I can't imagine it's going to be good. Like, could you imagine if they rebooted Bambi? Uh, I think people would riot. <laughs> now, see, she's never going to listen to this, so I, I can say this. But I give the wife a lot of shit um, because she is a big fan of Once Upon a Time. But I think that does this right. Yeah, 100%. Because it's live action, but all the characters are their canon selves. And it doesn't rewrite anything. I mean, yeah, it's silly. Like, she had an episode on the other day with the main character of Brave On who... God bless the actress. She was trying, but she was every Scottish stereotype there was. But you knew who she was supposed to be. Mm. I mean, it's... So I think they do it right, as opposed to these fucking horrendous pieces of cinematography that they're feeding us. I'm, I'm getting mad as, as I'm looking through these. Uh, t- See, I started off mad. Now I'm calm. Now you're pissed off. Yeah. I can't do it, man. Like, Pete's Dragon kind of pissed me off because I was like, does it really need one? No. <laughs> That's another why. Just why. Oh, man. Mark, take us out before <laughs> before we get any worse. Just, oh, God damn it. Don't reboot anything. All right. So uh, thank you all for listening to us just vent for however the fuck long we've been recording. Uh Give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or whatever the preferred platform of your choice is. If they have a rating apparatus, save us, follow us, like us, uh, you know, put us in your preferred podcast folder. We're on, I don't know, 30 different fucking platforms. I do have us up on Facebook now. 
So if you follow us on uh, Facebook as the Wit and Whiskey Cast, there is if you it's only on mobile. The the Zuck hasn't gone the whole hog and put it on desktop yet. But on your Facebook mobile app, you can click the podcast button and our entire feed of nearly 70 episodes is up. Uh, we're on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we're on Gmail, we're the Wit and Whiskey Cast at gmail.com. There is no H in Wit, but there is an E in Whiskey. See, I practiced this week. Uh, send us any comments you have about the show, any topics you want us to discuss or even revisit, any whiskeys you want us to review, especially if it's for DJ and it's really peaty. <laughs> uh, you know, get, whatever you want to do, reach out, talk to us. We love hearing from our fans. Uh, we're here every Friday morning at 8 o'clock or so. Uh, some apps take a little bit longer to load up, but for the most part, by lunchtime on Fridays, you can listen to us. DJ, what the fuck are we doing next week? Well, I we've kind of been tossing around this idea of doing like an insider etiquette episode. We have. And I was thinking it would be kind of interesting to do like insider etiquette of drinking at a bar. Ooh. And like some no-nos and some ways to order and some things to look out for and, you know, like maybe don't go to a dive bar and, and order, you know, uh, a complicated 14 ingredient drink and, and things like that. Yeah, you know, don't say make it strong, especially not on your first fucking order. Uh, no, I like that. I think that's a good one. Bar etiquette and whiskey. I think we can make some hay of that. Yeah, and I think that would be good. Like, we, we talk about our series, but I feel like that would be an interesting, like, doing some etiquette and just kind of like, I mean, I I love talking about the concept of, like, the social contract and I, it's one of my favorite topics of conversation, and I, I feel like this is a great way to start it. This is a great way to start it. So look for that next week, the first episode of 2022, Bar Etiquette and Whiskey. We can't close out 2021 without thanking Nuno Henry Silva for our intro and outro music. He's always been with us. He's probably going to be on an episode, if not the end of this season, early next season, or maybe a special. We'll get him back here. We're going to send you to a SoundCloud. We're going to uh, give you the link to his books, plural, because he's a goddamn overachiever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look for that next week. Uh, Happy New Year. And, uh, hey, until next time, salute. Cheers. Cheers.